It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Incantation Nation, my beautiful witch family. It is episode 18 of our beloved show, Friday, March 12, 2021. It's almost the Ides of March. And it is quarantine week 52, which you know means we have survived a whole year in quarantine and our moon phase for you lunar watchers is new moon we are eight tenths of one percent illuminated but for a new moon I think we're pretty woke um our Show focus tonight will be on our happy anniversary and our survival and what our emergence from the COVID cave will feel like. So first and foremost, I want to thank everyone for your love and support and your messages Um, to the Incantation Nation Facebook page. I appreciate all of that love. Um, And also the emails that you all have been sending to IncantationNation2020 at yahoo.com. And please do send me any questions that pop up for you or points that you think I should know about to round out our offerings. Incantation Nation seeks to serve a very underserved population of folk, and that is pagans, witches, heathens, occultists, whose spiritual choices might not always be upheld uh, in the forum of mental health care or therapy sessions. So what have I done but brought you a couple excellent individuals to talk about 
real time um, what the effects of quarantine are on us beyond you INSJ types who are like, woohoo, can we stay indoors forever? I appreciate that. <laughs> For us ENTJs, though, this has been a super rocky ride, but our lead engineer for this evening is none other than General Kelly. Um, the station. <laughs> Salute. The station. Yeah. Hi, honey. The bad thing about How- being the, the, the general and this, the, this is I don't have to, I don't get punished for being bad and being late. So. <laughs> Correct. I'm sorry for and keeping there is- us late. No, 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 but there is no, I mean, we don't deal, we don't traffic in words like bad because those are value judgment. Okay, how about naughty? How about naughty? No, (laughs) see, because then what, understand I've been in quarantine for a year. You say words like that and then it starts processes that I can't necessarily, you know, look away from, if you know what I'm saying. But... I'm sorry, um, I'm such a Scorpio. I that about you, though, because I'm a Virgo, and that means that we're completely compatible. Um, and we do have a special guest this evening who will I, I will introduce um, after our uh, opening incantation. But first, I wanted to wish everyone who is listening and my housemate, uh, Elder Aaron Sovereign, who has shared this past year with me, both in terror and in rage, uh, and also to you, General Kelly, because you also have your own experience of the past 52 weeks, and we're going to talk about that too, but... Uh, when we did our, because what we did is we took the month of February off um, to get our emotional and physical health kind of in hand because the balance has tipped a little bit when we started hearing about the COVID variants, at least for me they did, um, thinking, okay, we've been battling one illness for an entire year and have like retreated in fear, but then you've got their Brazilian and not the bikini wax type. And then you've got the UK there. Yeah. It's a lot more painful than that from what I understand. Um, But I wanted to, Uh, acknowledge that we've been gone for six weeks and I apologize to everyone we are back on air and we will have all kinds of new offerings with the same great um, guests and the highest quality conversation including all of my expletives Um, but before we get into all that everybody take a sniff ready sniff and blow did, did you drop that F bomb? <laughs> Sorry. I always sniff drop and blow. Sniff and blow, sniff and blow. 
so this is a piece I wrote on January 2nd, and it is called What It Means to Be Missing. The winds, have they forgotten me and ask where I am hidden? Do the oceans inquire after me? Do they grieve the loss or the feel of my skin? Do spark and fire hold conversation as long or lively as when last I sat among them? Surely the aged black earth noted my absence and counted my steps as missing. Will sound be as glad to be heard if we are so far fewer to stir or utter? How foreign and unmoved I see the sun to be, radiant, unaffected by my absence. The liquid eyes of my transient bride can see and know my faith. My love faithfully requited. A new fealty built now between us, having finally learned what it means to be present but missing. Of all the rest, The world is as clearly lost from me as I am from it. Written New Year's Day, quarantine week 42, 2021. And based off of the reaction to publishing that piece, I thought, okay, well, I've gotten some, <laughs> I've gotten a lot of feedback from folks. And I said, okay, we definitely need to publicly talk about our ability as witches, pagans, and heathens who, to some degree, do have our hiding abilities in hand because we are not accepted. Um, much more than we used to be, but we're still not there. Um, But on top of that, stepping out into a post-apocalyptic society um, and the anxiety that we're thrown into, even imagining, you know, re-entering the hustle and bustle of the world, it's a bit much. It is a bit much. And so I will be entertaining conversation with a couple other ladies whose wisdom uh, the price per pound really does compete nicely with uh, gold and platinum because there's there's a lot that we can share with each other um, to hold each other up. And I do have other resources at hand. But I would like to introduce our geist of the evening, and it's my dear friend and therapist, Marna Dibble. Marna Dibble, come on down. Hello. Hi. 
How, How are, are you? you? You're on I'm air. Great. I, I'm you impressed with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm glad to be. That. I'm glad to be with you at last. It's been a long time. It really has. And you and I have had some excellent conversation. And I think I'm I'm making an assumption that this is reciprocal. But the rapport um, between us is definitely something that I think disarms the awkwardness about talking about something like this. Um, Wonderful. With the public, and you're the best person I could think of to talk about uh, most anything with. So I had to have you on here. But why don't you, if you would be so kind, um, kind of just tell people, you know, what your um, past experience as a therapist is, because um, you've got some pretty metal experience in your background, um, which will help folks understand that you've seen some things and that yours is very qualified um, expertise and some very sage wisdom. So where have you been? What have you done? And who have you buried well, lately? <laughs> I'm not talking about the burial. We're not going there. But uh, <laughs> um, my, I'm not telling. I'm just not telling. Um, one of my first jobs out of college even before the master's degree, I worked at a prison mental hospital in New York. And mm-hmm. I had um, 30 drug addicts from Harlem and 30 insane criminal women uh, incarcerated for various crimes. Well, that, w- that was like culture shock. Um, I had just come out of Union County, North Carolina, with probably clay between my toes. Um, and that was shock. Gracious. Um, then I got an MSW from Chapel Hill. Um, I did a diversity program for IVM for 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, I taught a class in trauma, um, Mm -hmm. trauma informed therapy, which was very, very helpful. Um, I've done individual family, marital, every kind Mm -hmm. of. Um, therapy known to mankind, I think. Um, <laughs> my my children think that I'm so ancient that I wrote on papyrus in college, but that's not quite the case. Um, and I still, uh, well, I think I have my faculties. Yeah, vellum, vellum and parchment, vellum and parchment maybe, but papyrus was a an earlier not. generation. <laughs> well, actually, they say um, steel ta- uh, stone tablets with a chisel, but whatever. So I like that um, very easy. What else would you have me say? Oh my goodness! Don't give oh, me that type of open open ended question. <laughs> <laughs> Too much leeway. Sorry. So so our topic this evening is about 
the new, I'm not going to say new, but the most recent source of anxiety and pain for folks in the witchcraft and pagan community that's kind of been lurking in the background um, is our re-emergence into society having been pushed way to the back of the COVID closet. Um, This is, I get a lot of contacts and conversation from the residents of our village that this is, this is a really scary prospect of thinking about, you know, trying to reintegrate ourselves into society and how impossible that is. And before, and before you um, speak to that, Marna, I'm going to ask that our lusty station manager, Pammy, um, talk to us a little bit if she is willing, but she's not someone whose arm you really need to twist um, to get to talk. She's very much, she's very much the same cut of uh, uh, altar cloth that I am. But Pammy, can you talk about um, your acquired traumatic agoraphobia and from whence does that spring for you and how long has that been a thing? Um, my agoraphobia is, is, I believe, honestly, is, um, is PTSD or CPTSD. Um, right. I feel, pardon? Happy anniversary, by the way. <clears throat> 52 <laughs> weeks. Um, but no, I, I feel that it's, uh, I feel that it's CPTSD or PTSD. I've I've been diagnosed with PTSD and one of my triggers is medically induced or or medical triggers. Um, Because as Hedera knows, um, I spent a lifetime of seeking um, a diagnosis and, and treatment for a disease that up until, or a group of disease, a constellation of disorders, um, I wouldn't necessarily say diseases because it, it turns into a genetic disorder, um, but a constellation that all my life I've been saying, this all goes together, and they're like, no, no, it doesn't. Um, and then in 2017, lo and behold, they said, hey, look, this whole stuff has been going together. Maybe we should uh, look at this. And so in 2017, they changed the diagnostic criteria. 2018, um, I was talking to a friend who has this diagnosis, and I'm like, you're kidding. You're kidding. And everything fell into place. But unfortunately, there is a with, – with my agoraphobia, there's also an uh, organic or uh, physiological component to it that goes along with this disorder is that we're more likely to have – anxiety 
and depression and that can specifically lead to agoraphobia. You add on top of that having a couple of life-threatening um a couple of life-threatening episodes of uh, dysautonomia, which is, I'll go into a little bit about dysautonomia, and then the mast cell, um, which is like, it's like, okay, so it's like Mm -hmm. allergies. I I did, I've got a really good, you're going to love my analogy because I was telling somebody. (laughs) Allergies are like, I'm allergic to cats. You're going to love it, right? Allergies are like, I'm allergic to cats. You get near a cat, and you're like, hachoo, hachoo, eyes leaping, right? Mast cells mm-hmm. are, I'm allergic to cats. Hachoo, hachoo. Mast cells go, we're on the job. We'll protect you. And then the next day, you're like, um, the next day is like, tablecloth. We're on the job. We got you. The next day is like, like the wind blows. Like breeze. We're here for you. <laughs> and it's and it's and it's not just a chew a chew. It's different varying degrees of anaphylaxis. And when people think anaphylaxis, they usually think full blown. You're in the emergency room, maybe ICU. You know, but anaphylaxis has different grades to it. Which anaphylaxis could be something like you know hives and a running nose, shortness of breath. But the thing with right. mast cells is once they're triggered they are their guards and they're supposed to protect us but they kind of get really unbelievably overprotective of anything um i belong to some some facebook groups and and new people come on and like i've been diagnosed can uh, can honestly change in weather trigger this yes mm-hmm. somebody else's mm-hmm. uh, i've been newly diagnosed um can my shower water trigger me? Yes. Right. <laughs> Anything can trigger you. And because of this, it's it's hard to tell this to doctors because mast cell mast cell activation disorders just now also starting to get the uh, the attention it deserves um within right. the last 10 years or so. So Right. So the dysautonomia part of it, Ehlers-Danlos is is one part of it, which is our bendy, crazy bodies. Um, The mast cell activation disorder, which is our uh, mast cells going, we're here to protect you. Um, Yeah. And and almost killing you in the process. We're here to Mm -hmm. protect you. We'll Mm -hmm. shut off your breathing so you don't have to breathe in that (laughs) stuff anymore. Yes. You're laughing because you know I'm I'm telling the truth. Yeah, we're am, here to protect you. We're well, here to protect you. We're going to inflame your entire skin so that stuff won't bother yeah. you. Um, right. And but that then the, leads, the dysautonomia. That actually, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm I was sorry. just going to say that well, all of that leads to a lost faith in the fact that you would be safe outside of your comfy, safe yes. zone. I mean, whether it's physiological, right. psychological, um, adaptive to the fact that someone other than Barack Obama was president, um, <laughs> you kind of want to, you kind of want to stay home and cover yourself with like Obama posters and Michelle Obama books. I mean, 
that's that's a best case scenario. Right. But well, um, the dysautonomia is a very important part of this too. Yeah, because that's yeah. the that's the your body that's your 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 autonomic and your your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system going fuck you we're gonna do what we want to do yeah oh you're standing yeah. up oh come on <laughs> your blood <laughs> is like what I used to say to people before I was diagnosed I, when I would get up and I would go woo place your bets because uh, the room would be spinning and I would be going this is cheaper than drinking place because it would just take it uh, yes because it felt like you're spinning around on a roulette table um it i used does. to tell doctors i used to tell doctors it was like i feel like i'm on a an ocean liner in choppy seats yeah so when it when it gets really bad and i had a really bad what happened is i had a really bad you know trifecta of i had a, a bad dysautonomic uh uh Potsy experience because Potsy is a part of yeah. I was at a at a Ren fair. I hadn't had a lot of sleep. I was under a lot of stress. I hadn't had a lot of sleep in six weeks because I put a brand new radio station on the air and I was getting maybe three hours sleep a night if I was lucky for six That's weeks. Gross. And I just put the, the radio station on the air and my daughter said, mom, I need a ride down to Dallas. This is when I was living in Texas. Dallas is about two hours away. It's Memorial Day mm-hmm. weekend. I had a whole handful of tickets for, uh, for Scarborough fair, which is a big, huge run fair. And this was the last weekend and nobody had, I was trying to give them away at the radio station, but nobody was picking them up. So I called my friends down in Dallas and I said, I'm going to be in that area. Waxahachie, which is where it is, like an hour south of there. I said, I will meet you. I will give you tickets. And so I dropped my daughter off at the airport, and then I went to go at there where they work, waiting for them, and I started cleaning out my car. Okay, with mm-hmm. POTS or dysautonomia, any leaning forward, looking down, forget about it. Your yep. your your head, you're just going to go spinning, spinning, spinning. Okay, add to that. It is like 90 degrees and maybe 95% humidity. So, and remember I had very little sleep and I probably didn't, wasn't hydrated enough. So I started spinning around and um, they came in and they said, you know, Pam, you should probably not do this and go home. No, I'm fine. So I drove an hour, hour and a half past Dallas. So I'm now like four hours away from home. I get to the Ren Fair, I'm in there with my friends, and then I went to go meet some people. It's like there's hills. So there's exertion, heat, already triggered. And uh, I was like going with somebody up that I didn't know up to up a hill to give the give the tickets that I had away why I didn't just give her the tickets I don't know but I started following (laughs) her and then I started the I started graying out I started you know they call it pre-syncope so I started yeah almost passing out and the the thing that a lot of people don't know what's going on is my blood pressure is probably if they had taken it they would have probably taken me off by ambulance because my blood pressure right. is, you know, crazy. Because that's part of the dysautonomia. That's part of why we're having these weird dizzy spells. Is our blood pressure 
the way a doctor explained it to me is, you know how your blood pressure goes really crazy and your heart races when you're going on a roller coaster. Yours does that normally. Well, so, and it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make the situation any better when we've got, you know, a national uh, crisis of leadership. We have a global um, crisis of viral infection, which you can't see that threat. Um, you have a crisis for for folks who are listening, and also for you, Marna. Um, the way our dysautonomia works is our central nervous system uh, can no longer regulate our respiration and breathing. It can no longer rep, uh, regulate our um, heart rate. It can no longer wow. regulate our body temperature. And so uh-huh. if there are that many Things like Tammy was describing a hot day. Um, she was talking about lack of sleep. She hadn't eaten anything. So you're starting out at a negative number and giving that to a, a body system that's already in crisis. And right. then, but wait, it gets worse. Know, the you, person I was with you, took off mm-hmm. and I was abandoned in this Ren Fair with thousands of people graying out all by myself. Guess who has my phone, my keys, and my wallet? My friend down the hill. And I can't go there to to get her. So I was abandoned. I ended up in the, in the, the, um, the, they had a cooler, like a trailer, um, like a, a, a trailer that you put on a truck that was refrigerated to, to cool us down. And I kept trying. They didn't even check my any of my vitals. Um, and while I was there, and I kept telling them I'm graying out and, and my friends, please find my friends. And they're like, there's 10,000 people out there. And I'm like, how many with one leg? Because one of my friends <laughs> was an amputee <laughs> and they wouldn't look for him. They wouldn't look for him. They wouldn't let me look for him. So I was stuck in this, oh, in this you know, and anyone who has has PTSD or, or panic attacks knows that is a short circuit of the fight, fight and flight, fight or flight. So if I'm, and you right. can't, you have to find a way to escape. You have to find a quick way to escape. You have to get, get out of here to safety as quickly as possible. And I'm stuck in this, in this, uh, in this, this cooling trailer. And I decide, I'm okay. So I go out there and okay. down the hill to try to find my friends who ha- are long gone now. So I, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, crap. Well, I have to make my way back up the hill to that. And this is where I started really getting syncopal, like about ready to pass out. And people are looking yep. at me like, oh, my God. And yep. sweat is pouring off of me. And I'm actually, I, I have like a sports bra on. So I took off my clothes and I'm walking around with my my skirt, my sports bra, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't normally do that. It. So, so I I get but back I mean, up there and the the people there are rolling their eyes and they don't even check my vitals again. And I'm just lucky that I finally glance out one time to see my friend, grab my keys and I drive my five hours home. And since then, <sighs> agoraphobic because I'm afraid that if I get too far away from home. I'm going to have another one of these 
these right. incidents and nobody's right. going to know how to treat me. Uh, I got to say one last thing before on this with the dysautonomia. Uh, I is it Ro- Norman, what's it, what's his name? I'm going to try to hear this. Uh, Dr. Rossman. Uh, let me, I have this wonderful, wonderful uh, webinar that this guy has put and he's, I think his name is uh, Rossman, and he talks about what is going on in your brain when you're having these anxiety attacks or panic attacks or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And he, what happens when you have this? There is a dis, there is a disconnect with your autonomic and uh, sorry, your parasympathetic yeah. and sympathetic brain. And yeah. you know your amygdala is going crazy. And one of the the best things, and it's almost lost in this in this presentation he's giving, is it's a very good diagnostician who can tell the difference between this being an issue with the the autonomic uh, nervous system right. or it being somebody who just has who's nervous or anxiety, and that's where right. we are as people mm-hmm. with Ehlers-Danlos and dysautonomia. Is a lot of times. Our anxiety has an organic nature, but we get told you're just anxious, especially when you yeah. have the dysautonomia because our heart rates go crazy. But when we sit down, it regulates. But it's not mm-hmm. the anxiety that it's not us being anxious that's making our heart rate go. Our heart rate goes crazy. And you know what? You become anxious. So right. there you go. I'm right. sorry. There's the whole that's why I feel my agoraphobia is actually more of a, a PTSD um, situation mm-hmm. than, than agoraphobia because right. it's triggered by specific events and the event However, is leaving. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. That is our segue into the fact that between COVID circumstances beyond our control, um, and we're going to come back to the issue of control probably several times in the next little while. Um, there are legions of people who have now developed agoraphobia, not simply because mm-hmm. of the lockdowns, but as a response to the chaos out there that cannot be controlled and you know for someone who with chronic illness and for me my anaphylaxis looks like cardiac arrest and ain't nobody got time for that so but right um i just began to notice as a leader in the community the information the testimonials the requests for counseling all had to do with, I don't know how I'm going to go back out there. And I said, you know who's got the cape for this? Marna Dibble. (laughs) (laughs) So Marna, tell tell us uh, who are listening, what, what are you seeing from your lifetime of experience? What are you hearing? What are you thinking? What connections are you making 
between, um, you know, what formerly would have been therapeutic issues talked about in session about maybe early childhood experiences versus a worldwide pandemic and people running and hiding in their houses. Like what, what psychological adaptations are maladaptive and going to save our ass type adaptation? Well, I, would, I would start by saying, having done work with trauma victims, that mm-hmm. the brain, our brain is 10 million years old. And when we are threatened, the brain doesn't care if it's a saber-toothed tiger outside our cave or whether it's COVID or whether it's a bad president or uh, whatever it is, our body reacts. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I know where that came from. Um, and And we are all reacting to trauma. We have all been traumatized. The second thing I would say, and this is just a, the basis of foundation is Isaac Newton in 1666 came up mm-hmm. with laws of emotion and basically said was anything that is moving will stay moving unless some force makes it stop. Things that mm-hmm. are stopped take extra force to get moving. And I think we mm-hmm. were all forced to stop we were forced inside. We were forced, um, what was that, something in place, shelter in place. Yes, forced yes. us mm-hmm. inside. And that now is what we have become accustomed to. Um, I had a, a trip to Bali, and three weeks before, it was like, you're not going anywhere. Uh, you're going to be home. And I, I think what, Nobody knows what the new normal is going to look like. Um, And if if you go into the world without some form of trepidation, then I think you're being foolish. We don't know uh, what it's going to be like. And we're all like, and some people don't even want to be back out there. Um, Right. I Mm -hmm. get that. But I think the push... And the, the rational, healthy thing to do is begin mm-hmm. to think about how do I want to do it? This is um, right. almost freeing because it doesn't matter what went on before. I'm, I'm going to be doing my thing. And I tell right. clients, if you're not comfortable doing something, don't do it. This is your perfect right. chance I have a friend, a very dear friend, whom I saw today in my driveway because she will not come within six feet of me, and we both had to have unmasks. I've had yep. both vaccinations, but she said, I don't care what you've had. We, You have to have a mask. <laughs> Done. Yep. Done. Okay. Um, so thinking about yourself and thinking about others, um, my therapeutic thing is always to people. I think control is an illusion. Um, yes. 
We have so little control over anything except our perception. How we perceive something Mm -hmm. is how we're going to deal with it. And if you're Mm -hmm. not liking something, really talk to somebody about how can I think about this differently? You know, COVID is the worst thing that's ever happened. The world has changed. I'll never make it. Well, you won't. If you think you can't, you can't. But if you decide, exactly, this gives me this gives me the opportunity now to head back into my world, and I'm going to I'm going to set boundaries for other people. I'm going to set boundaries for myself. I'm going to speak up for myself. Um, nobody gets a, a free ticket, I don't think, into coming back right. in. We're all going to have to decide how that is. And what we want, whoever right. you are, and you are, you can do I, have can the I, right. To, absolutely, no, sorry. Pam. Pam, you can't. I, I want to. I've Pam. got a. I've got a poem. I got a poem that I wrote from when I when I was going through my Saturn return, uh, and I, I I had the realization that that Marna just said is control is an illusion, power is just a drug, and that you see is very strong, but to me he's just a bug. Cool. Very short. Did he? I figured out I love was it. an illusion with six kids, yeah. so there's no such yeah, thing. Well, <laughs> exactly. And and I've what got I, two thirds of it. Um but I You know people would ask. say control your kids and I was like, Which remote? Which remote controls my kids? I can't find it. Go right. Ahead. Well, mine was broken so, apparently. But um, I think I think you do control to a huge degree your perception of things. How I mm-hmm. view that determines all of my actions and all of my thoughts. If I want it to be awful, it will be. Um, and there's lots of talking now about gratitude and being grateful right. for what you have. Um, I would talk to people about that. Uh, about um, I I I am an extrovert, and my E is about four feet tall. Um, <laughs> but I've enjoyed I've enjoyed being at home. I mean, I really mm-hmm. had to gear down. I had almost mm-hmm. had my suitcases ready to go, um, and I've somehow adapted to that because I I just I I decide to. That's how I accept mm-hmm. things. I just decide to. This is this is what you're given, um, and you can kick and fight and cry and scream and make everybody around you miserable. You can say, you know what, this is it. This is what I'm. This is what I have to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. And it it's a discipline, I think. Um, and my parents were not allowing me to do the dr- dramatics when I was younger. So, look, mm-hmm. this is it. Girl, get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, well, Mike. I, so, everything that you're saying, and <clears throat> tell me if this. Stop me, please, if I introduce the name of a, um, uh, a citation of a book or whatever of people that you know personally, because nothing makes me feel more ridiculous than quoting someone. 
and then after I finished making my point, they go, uh, yeah, we went to college together. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so you're, pers- you're personal friends, and I sound like an idiot. Oh, thanks. Um, but my, <laughs> my, no, my, my knee-jerk reaction to discomforts um, like this is research because that's mm-hmm. what got me into college. It's what got me from college into graduate school. It's what got me from graduate school into advocacy for underserved groups. And now all of that comes to bear with me being a community leader and the sense of responsibility that I have. But um, I was researching, you know, the reintegration process into, you know, this chaotic situation that we don't have answers for. We don't know how it's going to legitimately play out. And I stumbled upon Dr. Susan Albers from the Cleveland Clinic. You're good. Wait, did... So your friends? I don't know. Her. Are you guys best? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she was at my wedding. I, no, no, I, I made that up. <laughs> well, and I wanted to talk to our listeners about post-isolation syndrome, right? And that it is a discernible, documentable um, situation syndrome. Um, about, you know, nervousness, anxiety, and worry about reintegrating. Um, And there's a huge amount of dread and reluctance Mm -hmm. and, in some cases, Mm -hmm. refusal to leave home for fear of illness, whether that's COVID or other things that we've blown the door wide open on. We're like, well, hell, what else am I going to catch? Now that I know that it's this easy to catch things, I don't want to go out at all. And so hand sanitizer ends up on your Big Mac because you right. know, you know, if you can trust that. But, you know, she talks about that it's the same fear of reintegration that astronauts undergo. And folks who are remote wilderness scientists. And then she talks about elderly who have been incarcerated. And that's probably where you guys bonded over coffee in the break room of some maximum security (laughs) prison. But I thought, okay, so how about I think about my personal process um, as being probably an elderly woman that's been incarcerated. But I can think of myself as a wilderness scientist. I can think of myself as an astronaut going from my little planetary bedroom and Mm -hmm. trying to reintegrate myself into the earth's atmosphere or from my wilderness into the unwild, which may not even exist anymore given the, the, you know, the, the will to live 
of viruses also talks about the time and support that reintegration takes. I mean, all three of those populations, those demographics of people are all advised and counseled by beautiful people like yourself um, that you need support system. Your local village is one of them. Um, But not being so hard on yourself, thinking you've got to have this shit down pat when they lift the bank. No, you don't. That is not a starter gun for some race that says you've got to get your shit together because everything's going to resume, you know. And well, what's one of my mantras? Be gentle with yourself. Yes, of course. But she talks well, about I, the I have... Go, Go ahead, ahead, Marta. Well, well, I, you, I just you outrank me. In... No, I do not. Yes, um, you do. But I think about with clients, and they say, "How long will this take?" It's either grief or reentry or some situation. It takes as long as it takes. And it might take me a week. It might take you two years, but nobody can tell you how long it takes. The basis of all she's talking about is change. We Mm -hmm. hate change. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend had a, a sign in his office and it said, change is great. You go first. Um, and I, <laughs> I always think, you know, if you know I am facing a change, how do I deal with We don't think about the logistics. How do I deal with change? When this happened, how did I deal with it? When this happened, beginning to make some very gentle plans. And mm-hmm. also, if I say tomorrow, I'm going to the grocery store. And tomorrow morning you get up and you walk to your front door and you go, like hell I am, well then <laughs> back up. It's okay. Right. You know. Right. Put, and, and put it on your calendar. And about not that. being able to go through with it. Right. And don't blame yourself and say negative things about yourself. The People, nobody, let me just say that, nobody does anything until he or she is ready i'm not ready and there's no shame in that um, right well saying say here here your best dr dr albers um i guess she's a big fan of c words <laughs> that's funny I can okay with please that. don't but she she said uh yeah that's the one um, she was talking about her four C's, and I think this will be something easily uh, graspable and adoptable um, uh, by our listeners, that there's control, mm-hmm. clarity, calm, and choosing. And all of that is about Finally establishing and enforcing 
boundary between right. yourself and your outside context. And that goes along with, I don't like change. Okay, well, you don't like change. No one likes change. Oh, um, so, right. So let's redefine for ourselves as sovereign beings, um, which is pagans, heathens, oh my, defining for yourself what does control look like? Well, control looks like staying in my car when I visit my friend from at least a 12-foot distance and wearing a mask. You want to wear a mask to the bathroom? That's something you can control. Go ahead and put your mask on and go wherever the hell you want. Like if if you're a pole dancer and you want to wear your mask and nothing else, also go ahead because that's something yeah. that you yeah you can control. Um, but it requires getting clarity about what situations we're walking into. What do we know? Like Pam was referencing, what do we know we need? in order to feel safe, because I'm sure that fateful Renaissance day, uh, Pammy, you probably probably felt like, okay, none of this is in my control, and you probably learned a lot of boundaries or requirements that you would have the next time you found yourself going out into... Treat yourself with calmness well, and honor the fact that you choose. Go ahead. Well, that's where, you know, people in situations like us with chronic illnesses, and, and Marna can definitely speak mm-hmm. on this, I'm sure, which is what what we're running into. <laughs> yeah, because everyone suddenly has a chronic illness because post-COVID response and post, you know, post-COVID long haulers, you know, put you back into your life forever changed. And Absolutely. It changes all of us, too. All of us. And what did we just say? Everybody hates change. Nobody wants I, yep. change. I was the previous version of myself. You know, we're all sitting here banging that that little desk bell for service, right? Ding, 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 ding. I want my previous iteration, please, because I I, I don't want all this. And if you have, go ahead. We don't not. We I don't think, like the new, but we sure knew the old. Yes, I think yes. I could control Blog Talk Radio. I cannot. So right. it kicked me right. out. <laughs> it did kick you and out. I just so called back in. Though? But That's we'll funny. we'll take you back every time because it's a healthier relationship. Um, I I think starting out would be from your cave, from your safe place. Decide who you are and how you want to come out. And you decide how and how quickly or slowly or in what manner you want to rejoin society. 
And don't let anybody tell you how you ought to do it. Um, right. I'm very, uh, I'm very, very healthy. I have to say that right up front. But early on, I went to, I, I, it was an OBGYN, and he, I was telling him something. And he said to me, I, well, I wouldn't worry about that. And my sassy Excuse little me? mouth, I said, I get, I guess you wouldn't. It's not your body. And so he was like, oh, well, then we'll be looking at that, won't we? Um, but I wish everybody would stand up for that. This is me, and this is what I want. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with me. But this is, well, this that's is me. What, that's where I was going is whenever you have the chronic. I mean, you're, I'm glad that you've had just the, the one thing and that you've had really – good health and I'm not trying to do a one-up thing I'm just saying that when your existence is a chronic illness that they haven't figured out any they they, it's to them it doesn't exist (laughs) right and as they start coming to you know you learn to be an advocate for yourself and you learn the boundaries too and you and and yeah go ahead what about what part of what I was talking about is as incredibly healthy as I've been, I've had doctors poo poo me about my body. It must be ten thousand times worse when they don't mm-hmm. know what the heck they're doing with you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But, and, <laughs> but but and 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 what we're gonna do next is talk about my last trip <laughs> to the ER. Um, back in November, <clears throat> and they mm-hmm. ended up admitting me uh, oh, because gosh. they 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 finally called someone who told them the exact thing that I had explained to them about, repeatedly. you know, it, repeatedly. But Aaron, as my witness. Um, I tore that ER apart, like wallpaper was coming down off the walls and things were setting on fire spontaneously because I said, listen, you are fucking with my survivability. And the fact that I have to explain to you that cardiac arrest is part of anaphylaxis for those who don't walk in with a very obvious respiratory arrest, I mean, it's not always going to be a bee sting happened or I right. selfish, you know. Mm-hmm. The fact one, so, um, with mast cells, it could be with mast cells, it could be with mast cells, it could be the weather. With mast cells, it could be your shower. <laughs> But it, right, but also now the context of stimuli has changed, whereby fear about getting COVID can set off an anaphylactic response because, as you know, Marna, the body keeps yes. the score. Absolutely. And if it perceives a threat of any kind, i.e. ignorant doctors, or 
a virus that really, really wants to, you know, propagate itself. Take you out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So me standing barefoot in a hospital room, shaking the building by ripping someone apart, my pulse was 195 at one point, and my blood pressure was through the roof. And the nurse that was Uh assigned to me kept calling me, darling, you're not going to have cardiac arrest. And I said, if you call me, darling, one more fucking time, I'm going to knock your teeth so far down your throat, you're going to have to brush your ass to get rid of those cavities. So at that point, I think they reassigned Why did a new speak nurse. Up? <laughs> but the fact is, and tell me if you would agree, Marna and Pam, everybody's in the COVID closet now. So yeah. suddenly Pam and I are in, you know, others are because what we've been living with this whole time. Other folks are suddenly, I can't physically do what I used to do. Yes. Yes. The world is Mm -hmm. suddenly more dangerous place. And people are realizing I can't live the way I used to live. I can't do the things like I used to do. And I can't take the chances I used to take. And so coming out of it. Yes, and coming yeah. out of the closet what? is not so fucking easy, man. And to be no. forgiving of yourself, you know. Well, well and let me be let me put it, let me yeah. put some context on, on this with the mass with the mass cell stuff. I was wearing, you know, we a lot of us will wear masks, and I it took me forever to get my courage up to go out and buy a mask to wear in public. And this was Mm -hmm. about two years ago. And I finally started Mm -hmm. wearing a mask, even though I was getting weird looks from people, even though, you know, it made people like it, even though it was very uncomfortable for me to do. And when the COVID Mm -hmm. started hitting and people said that they would have to wear a mask, I was thinking, oh, awesome. Not not that it's good. <laughs> oh, awesome. Now my mask wearing will be normalized and I won't feel like no, a freak. Oh, boy, did no, I get that wrong? <laughs> Go ahead. Mara. Well, go ahead. I, I think you have to, after this, you have to decide it's, it's me. It may be weird to you, so be it. You walk in my shoes or shut up. Um <laughs> You know, cause you don't know. Yeah. You don't. You don't know me. Uh, if anybody yeah. says anything disparaging to me, uh, usually I just say, "You don't know me. You have no idea who I am, or what I need, or right. what's going on." And Pam, Sorry. Pam makes a good good point that it is so seldom the case that uh, people with chronic illness, including those with uh, COVID long haulers and completely changed physiologies, those of us who live with masks and masking, we get to say, ooh, 
I've got that skill. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Like, I've already got this mask thing. Woo! I got it this is, down. Yes. Cameron and I. My, my yes, oldest son and I. Go ahead. My son and I, Cameron and I, went to a wedding in Hong Kong five years ago, six years ago. And they had had, just as we had had, they had bird flu. Everybody on the street wore a mask. And we were mm-hmm. sort of at the first poo-pooing that. And then we looked at yeah. each other and said, well, that's smart. I mean, you know. And now coming to this, it took us that long, six years, to figure out a mask would help us. But yeah. you can't care what yeah. it, you. People say, well, what will people think? And my response as a therapist and a mom is what makes you think people think. We often <laughs> talk. Before, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't attribute somebody else's word as gospel, as erudite. You don't know me. You have no idea right. what you're talking about. So oh, I yeah, mostly don't uh, care what. You know, and I recently started using a power chair, uh, and I'm an ambulatory chair user, and that's like one of the yeah. – March 1st was, I guess, wheelchair awareness. So Cool. And, and the fact that there's a lot of us who are ambulatory uh, wheelchair users part-time, uh, that's it's been difficult to make that to to, to – it took me a long time to finally get the chair because I was worried about what people will think. Because, oh my gosh, They're I saw you walk. Pam? They're not mm-hmm. thinking. It took what me a about while. Somebody, when, when I was doing diversity training, we talked about disabilities. And this man said, on a good day, I can walk two miles, but I have arthritis. On a bad day, I can't hobble to the mailbox. Um, exactly. But yes. nobody knows that. Nobody can see inside me to know that. Mm-hmm. So you can't. Well, and I, you I, can't. Sorry, well, I was going to say, I, I sometimes if I don't have, if I before I got my chair, if I would go to a store that has the motorized scooter, I would use that. Every so often there was no motorized scooter, so I would have to use the cart and use it like a walker. Right. And one person thought he was being good. He, th- he thought he was being nice because he's a friendly person at the store said, oh, good job. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to do anything, anything for the next two days. I'm right, right. But but he doesn't know that either. So he thought he was being helpful. So I was just like, okay, thank you. Well, that really helpful. And I, I, I use the word ignorance just meaning not knowing. People are very right. ignorant about anything but what's inside their own heads and minds. So we have to, you have to forgive them, um, and realize this is what I need to do or I have to do or I want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And people judge. You know they um, people judge. They judge on race and sex and age and every other thing, orientation, everything. But that's none of their business. Nope. Mm-hmm. So. It sure as hell not. Um, My kids say none, yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, you could. But, but so here's the compounding factors because 
witch kind and pagan kind historically aren't served by the therapeutic community because certain core life values are not in sync with the Christian structure that underlies society. And so we end up only talking to each other and listening to podcasts like this or finding a place to go and vetch and sorry, all my Yiddish is coming out (laughs) for the words (laughs) I'm missing. Um, But we are suddenly, you know, facing very recent memories of ourselves being Mm. highly functional. And it's because those memories are so recent that we point to that and say, can I have the previous version of myself, please? And that's not the case. And I had a conversation with a beautiful younger witch, about 30 years old, um, also has chronic illness, also has Ehlers-Danlos. I'm kind of like a beacon for folks with Ehlers-Danlos. And, I know, uh, right? <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> Um, but her question to me, their question to me was, how do I not reference the previous iteration of me? And what I told them was, I want you to imagine that reasonably good adaptation between Robin Williams and Robert De Niro um, what was that damn movie called where uh, he awakened from that coma? Awakening. The Awakening. Awakening, right? Awakening. Wasn't it? So, right. Yeah, Awakening. So I, I told them, and it's been more than one pagan slash witch that I've been speaking to since COVID happened last year, um, You, I want you to pretend as though you have just awakened from a coma and you suddenly realize you have your life back. You have a life back and to celebrate the shit out of it by being patient, being loving, going slow, relearning the world, and getting for yourself to support people you know you're going to need, but also giving yourself the time to master getting to the damn mailbox because there will be some days where that's your big gold star moment. You know, not every every day is going to be like, I went into a grocery store on a Sunday right. when 10,000 other people were shopping. Don't start there. Start with the idea that your life BC before COVID is not your life now. 
and, and I, Pam and I, I think if and other folks, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I think that the way my husband used to say it about business things was celebrate small victories. Take every yes. victory you can and celebrate it. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And I had a I think that's, a moment, I had a moment of gnosis um in terms of witchcraftery. Um because I sit in meditation with my matron, my goddess, Hecate, and the phrase that she kept using um, was little wins. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, initially I thought she was referencing, you know, slight breezes in which we can take joy. And I said, that's cool. She goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. She said, okay, that's cool too. But small victories. Yes, every victory, small victories, and so of course I have to write a piece now, titled "Little Wins," and I'm not sure whether I put the D in parentheses or what. <laughs> but but it is sage wisdom, and yeah. you know, giving ourselves credit or gold stars for getting to the mailbox is an excellent foundation to build to do, you know, the larger stuff. And you've already told us, Marna, you know, let's get clear on who I am now. Right what now. Does, yes, right now. What does the me right now need or require to be comfortable and safe. Um, Three, to be loving of ourselves through this process. What else do you think we need as trauma survivors, which we all are now, um, what else do you think we need to remember to to make it through this readjustment, reemergent. Process. Two things come to mind. One, let me say this about therapists. Um, this is a blanket <laughs> statement, so shoot me if you need to. But when you go to a therapist, the therapist should look you in the eye and say, "What are your values? Not what mine okay. are." You should be a Christian. You should be a Buddhist. You should be a Tao. No. What are your mm-hmm. basic values, and can we work in that framework? Or you find a therapist, and you say, these are my values. Can you work with this? Okay. Because so naming, naming your values. That's up front. This is okay. what I believe. Before anybody you work puts with an ass in a chair. Say again? I said before anybody puts their ass in a chair, let's get this straight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. or get in the chair first. And then, um, you know, can you work with this? Because if they can't, that's on them. That's not you. Okay. So that's on the therapist. You... Well, aren't can we you work with not hiring them? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who's the customer here? 
Um, and the you know the second thing. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just the, the who's second. the customer here? Uh, there was somebody that that in one of the support groups was. Uh, uh, she showed up a little bit late to one of her appointments, and she asked if she should reschedule. And they said no, and they put her in a room, and she waited 30 minutes. The doctor came in and started berating her, and the person kept saying, "I could reschedule, I could reschedule." And then the person brought up that the doctor was acting unprofessionally. The doctor says, "You're acting unprofessionally," and I'm like, "Wait a minute." You're the customer. <laughs> You're the what? consumer. The doctor was six years old at the time. Doogie Hauser yeah, was I'm the like, doctor. What? Hello. Yes. Uh, well, the 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 other thing ahead, I want to say is know in your gut that you've been traumatized, and don't That's be ashamed of it. Yeah, yeah. I I have been altered. I am changed. Um, I always say to people, what do you need? What do you need to do? Some days, for those of you with chronic illness, I need to turn over and go back to sleep. And I need to feel okay <laughs> about that. It's National no. Nap Day. Represent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I need to reach out to somebody or I need to say no. No means no. I don't feel, you know, I used to have a button that said I just said no and I don't feel guilty. Um, So deciding um, Mm -hmm. and trauma, trauma is insidious. What works with trauma, which I love, I love, I love, um, something that's uh, repetitive, almost couldn't say that word, Mm -hmm. Anything. <laughs> Drumming is awesome. Singing is mm-hmm. awesome. Playing the piano mm-hmm. is awesome. Uh, knitting is awesome uh, for Aaron. Um, <laughs> whatever, whatever, my husband would say, whatever blows up your skirt um, right. would be helpful. But be kind. Be gentle. Be With knowing yourself. that you, yes. Mostly with right. yourself, um, yeah, and getting help, reaching out, um, finding right. a therapist or a friend or a, a lover um, mm-hmm. who will accept you. It, you know, you need to be totally acceptable as you are right this minute. If, right, uh, and my, my personal thing is, if you're not gaga crazy about me, leave me alone. Uh, I don't need yeah, it. Um, can I can I say something about the therapist? It's don't feel yeah. afraid. Like when I was talking about that doctor, don't feel afraid with setting boundaries with your therapist. And if you don't mesh, don't try to make it a personal yeah. battle between that therapist. Just say, look, I don't think I had one when I first moved here. She diagnosed me incorrectly, and I know enough about mm-hmm. what's going on with me, and I know that her treatment with this incorrect diagnosis was actually harmful. And I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything bad about, I said, look, I don't think that this, that you're the right person for me. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to find, find uh, a therapist. And may I, may I add this also in my, my uh, trip to the ER last fall, You know, here was this candy striper, uh, which is an old term for 
very young new nurse who was given whippersnappers that were assigned to sharpening pencils. When I when she walked me back to my little cubicle room, whatever, um, she said, "Okay, I'm going to need you to get into this gown." And I said, "No." And she just said, "No." Okay. And I said, "I am not getting out of my clothes. You don't need it, you know, me to do that right this hot second. No. Um, so when you said, uh, Marna know that you have been changed. I thought initially that you were saying, you know, get comfortable with N.O., which I think mm-hmm. still, still works. That because if, if you know you can't do it, don't beat yourself up about it and just Mm-mm. speak on behalf of yourself almost as though you are your own talent agent and you, you say are. things like, you know, Hedera will not putting on that wretched paper gown. Okay, so get to nope. step in. Um, but it, I think this what we're describing is all strategies for those of us who have been dealing with uh, meshing our personal status and needs with society with the new members of the trauma collective who find themselves suddenly disabled both physiologically and emotionally. And that emotional trauma is just as deadly as physiological trauma. And that the change needs to be respected Sometimes the psychological is worse because you mm-hmm. never see it if if you if it doesn't want to be seen. Right. Right. But, yes. But everybody has it now. Uh, yes, they do. This, this this is really a pandemic. I have a son in Singapore. I have a daughter in Mexico City. I have a son in Salem, Oregon. This is everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, so it's so not. We're having a psychological pandemic. Yes. Yes. Um, and you're going to be busy yeah. with. <laughs> and I, I think. Yes. I, I said you're going to be busy with new clients. <laughs> In, inundated, I know. Um, yeah. But but I I think. Advocating for yourself, not feeling pushy or um, right. If if you don't advocate for yourself, nobody will do it. Mm-hmm. And then if and if somebody advocates for you, you still feel like you're too weak to do it. So you do it. No means no. I won't settle for somebody who doesn't respect my values. I might not have mm-hmm. the same values as you. But who am I mm-hmm. to tell you yours are wrong? Uh, mm-hmm. Finding well, somebody. To walk, to walk into Go a ahead. therapist's office and say, listen, if we can't respect my language, 
And I appreciate, you know, push pushback and challenging, but if we can't respect my language and my 40 years of lived experience with this, then I will take my business elsewhere. Because isn't it true, Marna, that people need to think of themselves almost as a hiring corporation, and absolutely you and you walk in and you talk to your therapist and say, "Listen, I'm looking for a candidate who can show me you know these sensitivities, this kind of training." Um, the willingness to acknowledge my religious culture, not right. as a pathology, because if I tell you I talk, I know the difference between that and hallucinations. Um, right, right. But so, I, I think what what corporations say and what potential clients can and should say, this is not a good fit. And what I tell right. people the first time I see people is, if this doesn't fit, please mm-hmm. don't just drop out. Let me know that. We will find you somebody who fits. This is not about mm-hmm. me. Uh, right. And I don't know if people do that. Um, I mean, I've had I've had some. Referrals. And they should. Yes, well, absolutely. And, you know, and if there's one thing we've learned, it's kind of like one of those <laughs> It's not me. It's it's you. It's definitely you. <laughs> well, um, you brought up something that I I worry about when I go to therapy, and I this is how I try to put it in perspective, because we have our beliefs as pagans, uh, heathens, witches, etc., like ghosts, like you know magic, and why there one of the issues that we have with finding a therapist is there's a whole bunch of Christian therapists out there. Not saying it's a bad thing for Christians. Yes. But for them. there's mm-hmm. like, I cannot believe how many, uh, a lot of, oh, God, this one place I went to in Texas, uh, I sat there filling out the paperwork, and they had K-Love blasting on the speakers. Of you know, yeah. God wants you to give us money so we can keep the radio station going. So and so was in her car and she was crying until she gave us money and now she's happy. So you can be happy uh, too by giving us money. And I'm like, that is, this is not my place. Go ahead. This is not what therapy is about. About right. me saying you should be a Christian like me because I'm the right thing. I, this is the right way. Therapy should be about how can I help you improve your way? How can we work within your value system? But the second Mm -hmm. part of my issue with that is with the Christian therapy, you know they're going to say, let go, let God. You know they're going to say, pray on it. And that's part of their therapy. But we are supposed to be there's something wrong with us if we believe to let go to let you know let our gods and goddesses you know reach out to us oh because we're not and that's one of the things I worry about you know if I say my mm-hmm. ancestors have been done a good job of protecting me are they thinking that all of a sudden 
I'm delusional. Mm-hmm. Not if That's they're worth their I'm salt or not. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's on the therapist to be open to what your value system is. Mm-hmm. And if they can't do that, that's not a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. insist on it. You are the customer, for heaven's sake. Um, I, it has helped me. I lived in Singapore, and I lived in Hong Kong, and I was around every religion, philosophy, value system ever. And when you're right. the minority, it's hard to say you guys are wrong. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you. I, I don't know who they are. I don't know. I mean, I can't say. Oh, I know these people. Blah 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 blah. And they'll they'll treat you right. But don't feel bad about interviewing. I don't feel bad about. I mean, this is your life you're talking right. about. Mm-hmm. And this goes with mm-hmm. doctors and therapists. Go ahead and and you are the consumer. You are the consumer, yes. and unfortunately, especially with women in in the way that our medical system has been for decades and still has a lot of that in it, is women are seen as hysterical, which ironically, mm-hmm. hysterical comes from uterus. Uh, right. <laughs> the same root right. Um, yeah, but, it's hysterectomy, uh, I know. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but women are looked down upon and minimized and, and we're starting to get more and more of our power back. So so go ahead. Find as much as doctors hate support groups on Facebook. You know why they hate it? Because we're talking and the stuff that's yeah. happened, the, the, the things that I've helped people out with. You know, you brought up if you don't, if you can't see a therapist, look for friends, look for support. And there are some mm-hmm. crappy support groups out there that are not good help. But, but I don't belong to any of them. I don't think. <laughs> so try to find yeah. the people who seem to have their head on straight in those support groups. Um, and yeah, so be yeah. I just had a question. I was trying to think that there was something else I wanted to wrap up with this, but I have a question since you were in Singapore and Hong Kong. Do Taoists need therapists much? Because I would think that they would just go with the flow. Did you have very many Taoists? <laughs> no, no. Um, I love uh, Taoism is what helped me. Honestly, it saved my life when yeah. when I was oh. you know twenty eight years old, going through a nasty divorce and having panic attacks for the first time in my life. And that's when I wrote that poem about control. Because Taoism oh, did save my life, yeah. and I think we should all learn yeah. from Taoism. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Trauma is a trauma is a monster, um, and I don't know if you've talked much about the Aces. The um, Aces. you just read my rhyme, damn it, Marna. I bet you I got a better Aces score than you, Hadera. Well, I hope can you, we compare yeah. Aces scores? <laughs> well, we're gonna. So, yes, we're gonna save our matchbox car racing, Pamela, um, <laughs> for uh, the next episode. But I did want to um, talk about the fact, Marna, that because of the circumstances that Pammy and I have shared about, always, uh huh nearly always being ill-fitted or unsuitable 
for traditional therapists um, ends up diverting us to places like a witchcraft shop with a really nice um, <laughs> shopkeeper suddenly suddenly turns into this megaplex of art and expression and ritual and I become as the kind-hearted shopkeeper I become the conduit through which I hear all of these statistics of witch kind and pagans, heathens, occultists, etc., not feeling comfortable enough to even step out of their house to get the therapist because they've had mm-hmm. an awful experience. It does take a certain courage to go back out um, and Absolutely. try again. Um, but when the folks who arrive at, and I'm saying this from having practiced craft and been in the witchcraft community for 38 years, I've watched the number of folk who are ostracized and rejected from common society um, end up coming to me with a an a higher ace count than would be found normally and by ace. Those of you who are listening, ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences and what that does to your physiology, to your body, to your brain formation and brain chemistry. Um, Actually, it makes holes in the brain. Yes, yes. Like Swiss cheese made by my mother. But but (laughs) inside my... I mean, how fucking weird is that? Um, But there is uh, an article in The Atlantic from March 8th. I don't know if you saw it, Marna, but I wanted to speak the name of the article out loud on air so I didn't forget. Um, And it's called, Yes, the Late Stage Pandemic is Messing with Your Brain. Right. I have not read it, but I will. Yeah, do an internet search for late stage pandemic is messing with your brain because it does talk about, you know, the fact that these are not hallucinations. These are, you know, physiological changes Mm -hmm. to you because your body has been marinated in fear. Yes. Right. And gaslighting on top of it. Yes. Oh, gaslighting, yes. Know, the gaslighter in chief. Yes. Yes, in, indeed. So speak on that for a hot second, Marna. Well, I, I think your brain um, gets riddled with holes. I mean, it's acid. It's an acid wash for your brain. Um, indeed. And And you have to go back sometimes and you have to recapture like if you as a child didn't get the color or 
be creative. You have to put that in your life. Um, mm-hmm. The what is it we get when we have stress? I'm blanking on the word. Um, what do you get? Cortisone. Cortisol is the nat body. Oh yeah. Cortisol is the natural um, part of stress. It when you're under stress, you have forty percent more cortisol in your system. And what cortisol does is break down resistance to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people with continued stress have mm-hmm. overwhelming, um, I, and we used to call it um, uh, psychosomatic illnesses, but it's real. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. like COPD, and it's lung disease, and it's heart attack, and mm-hmm. um, what you have. It's to like do. a vinaigrette. It's like a it's like a brain vinaigrette that has too yes. much yes. vinegar in it, and it just ruins yes. your whole brain salad. And you can fix well, it. When I have some good. Big... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Marna. No, I, um, you can fix it. And the Body Keeps Score has some ways. Um, that they've found out that the same sensor in your brain um, that has to do with happiness is also uh, lights up when you sing, um, or when you when you have a rhythm. I looked up. Some, you know, I'm so old and senile. I looked up the person who does the rhythmic. What? I said you are gifted I, and wise, madam. No, no <laughs> negative self-talk. Oh, I don't believe myself. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I, the rhythm, anything that you can do with a rhythm is also brain healing. Um, mm-hmm. So finding ways that you can self-soothe. Um, mm-hmm. And we think of that for babies, but I tell clients all the time. Uh, I have a friend who had a very traumatic childhood, and we mm-hmm. helped her buy a rocking chair, and she got a quilt. And when she felt uh, what she called edgy, she knew right. to go get in a rocking chair and pull her quilt over and, uh, you know, sing or listen or whatever she needed. It's what you need. Well, and we were talking I gotta tell you. With- I, I uh, gotta say I had, this though. When I interrupted uh Marna before about this, I was about to say there's a really good book, The Body Keeps Score. <laughs> yeah, I'm I met him. Uh Bessel van der Kolk is a Dutch um psychiatrist. He's here. He has the Boston Institute of Trauma. Yeah. And he is he's so awesome. in, uh, he's in Brookline. Brookline Mass. Okay, is he now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I always tease. I'm a widow, so I, I would marry him. Um, you know, I, this this guy's kind of cute, and he's really smart. So, um, you know what I want to learn? I want to do EFT. Okay. You're talking about yes. that about rhythmic, and I want to I want to I want to become somebody who can do EFT on other people because I've done it on myself. I was doing it to myself before. It was a thing. I just did that, like, automatically. I'd sit there and tap on my, you know, like on my clavicle area to calm myself Mm -hmm. down. And now it's, like, a thing. 
So, it works. Yeah. It works. Um, EMDR works. Um, I don't mm-hmm. do it. I wish I, I did, do that. but I don't do it. Um, hypnosis works. I'm, um, because of client need, I became mm-hmm. a, a certified hypnotherapist, and it it works. So, you know, any of those things, people should do what's for them. It's not, my husband used to say, it's not a cookie cutter. That everything right. Right, looks the same, and and so look for somebody who fits. And I promise you, I don't know what to do about the shy ones, except to urge you to, that this is not your weakness that you that you're having a hard time. This is the scarcity exactly. of scarcity of clinicians. Well, I want to say something about shy too. Is I I that's like a big pet peeve of mine that anyone who tries to force a shy person to not be shy. Uh, Some people are just shy. Right, and it's who they are. It's who they are. Well, my and and eat people. The sudden, <laughs> the sudden humbling of of you know an ego that was previously high functioning, and the being taken down a couple notches. Um, that trauma um, is hard to get your arms wrapped around and it's one that might not be admitted and so if we've got folks Marna who who see even getting to the mailbox as a Mount Everest what are some little things that we can do that create a structure of attempt, you know, the, the courage to attempt. Well, what are some I, I, little things? Well, I think you start with admitting grief and loss, that I'm grieving the loss of some of the things I used to do. I'm grieving that mm-hmm. I can't jog or run two mm-hmm. miles or um, – and be sad about it and, and feel like people think if I'm sad, then I'm weak. Or if I cry, I'm weak. Mm-hmm. No, this is, this is, you have to mourn that and you have to be, mm-hmm. and be mad about it. It's okay to be mad mm-hmm. about it. I didn't ask mm-hmm. for this. I didn't, you know, I was doing perfectly well. Thank you very much. But, mm-hmm. but accomplishing anything, except celebrate getting to the breakfast table um, this is a new me, and and right now I'm not too happy with me, but but I'm going to see what I'm grateful for. I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's the loss of, of purpose. I used to be able to do this for other people, but now I can't. I'm, I'm homebound or I, I don't have breath. or um, So find a way to be useful. You know, read books for the blind or sit where you need to sit and do something, um, knit blankets or write letters or um, while, you, while there, or do a podcast. Do a podcast. Honestly, that's why we do this. That's why I came out of 
retirement to have the podcast because I was not yeah, thank you. comfortable. I love you. And I was not comfortable doing nothing, but I had to right. strike a compromise between who I am now mm-hmm. and what, what the me that is requires, but still be of service right to my you need a purpose marna i want to thank you um for calling coming on this evening i hope that you have enjoyed yourself and are willing to come back if not just fly a paper airplane through my front door (laughs) (laughs) well can i can i can I hit, because I would really love if Marna would be willing to come back, um, and I know this is your show, so if she wants to come on, on yeah, I, I, I don't want to, get out of your like, yeah, no, but, no. but what I, I would like me. to do is, <laughs> what I'd like to do is something that we touched on. I think this was a really good, everybody feel at home, everybody get a chance to feel each other out. Um, episode, but what I really would love to do, because this is my passion, and this is what I try to do to explain to people who have anxiety, is to to talk about the difference between what's going on in your bird brain, what's going on in those other layers of your brain that take over when you have the trauma, and to, to understand what's going on physiologically that you have no control over. What I tell people with my PTSD is once that bird brain takes over, I know. I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm articulate. I can tell you about my panic, and I can talk to you all about it. But when that takes over, there's a different Pammy at the wheel, and I don't have any control over that. Go ahead. It goes to your lizard brain, and Mm -hmm. that's sheer survival. Right. That's what that's about. And even if it's the mailbox. Even if it's mailbox, my lizard brain goes, oh, my God, it's going to eat me. And I know once I'm calmed down, that's not going to happen. But I would really like to, to be able to to have that. If that's okay with you, Hedera, I think that that would be a really good show. And I can, like, not be here for that if you want to not have me interrupt all the time. <laughs> but I think that that's a big one. Silver because I, that's what I try to explain to people. <laughs> Well, I try to explain to people, <laughs> once, once it Sorry. takes over, you don't have any control. It's your bird brain. It's, and it is, like you said, all survival. Now, bir- so, bird is a little too highly evolved, Pammy. It's lizard. It's a lizard brain. Well, bird brain. And a, a, it's a yeah. lizard brain. It's a and lizard it's brain. the most, it's our most basic instinct. I have got to survive. I've got to. And I and, and, and maybe you need to be talking about okay, then survive first. Or right. worry yeah. about the mailbox tomorrow. And incantation nation is all about honoring the voices um that pop up for us. And it is an older program in our um amygdala and cerebral cortex that takes over but it still gets a damn voice and we need to give credence to that and I think it is horribly 
dysfunctional and disaffective for us to focus on our erectus brain versus our lizard brain because the lizard brain is what saves our ass in situations well, that's why they're like human beings. Exactly. That's why they're still human beings, so we should be grateful. Yes, we should, because that lizard oh, that's, yeah, saved yeah. our ass. I just wish that's I still had I that people. tail. Well, that's what I, I tell people is like, look, you know, it's what helped you get through that trauma and thank it for that. But then you have to tell it, it's okay now. I got this. Oh, right. <laughs> well, that that's the soothing, self-soothing part about, okay, go back in the cave, sit down on a rock, figure out what your strengths are, think about how you're going to do this. You can do this. Um and it's going to take a little nudge because I'm now I'm back in the cave. One step. Mm-hmm. Take one step. Mm-hmm. Um, I had good so advice take, from a... Take, take time. Uh, get support in place for Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. Grab your... And don't do it... Yeah, don't do it till you're ready. Don't do it till you're ready. And understand that saying no is addictive. I love it personally. The shock yeah. The shock on people's faces when a four foot ten woman says no. No. I wish you could be there for those moments, you know, because it's just so empowering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. But yes for for And you do have the right to say no. Yes. And to give that lizard brain uh, more airtime and let them have the floor and let them say what they need to say. And if your lizard brain says the mailbox is a bridge too far, then go ahead and get your your blanket and your prehistoric cat and sit in your prehistoric rocking chair. (laughs) See what I did? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I know. It was awful. Um, that was a boo-rah. I know. It was, it was like a, a dad joke in a women's podcast. Anyway, so, but those are, I hope that what we have done, I'm certain that we have provided a great number of resources and thoughts. Again, the book is, the body keeps the score, and that is by. Hold on, I can do this. Doctor Vanderkolk. Yes. K O L K. Mhm. And it's called "The Body Keeps the Score." The articles I referenced are late stage pandemic is meth your brain, and that is in the Atlantic. And the Atlantic article was published on the eighth. The one that I was talking about is a book, books by Martin Rothman, I think is his name. Rothman. Let's put all of these up on the um, Incantation Nation page, Pammy, so that people can see the resources uh, even if they miss a show. And also um, Dr. Susan Albers, A-L-B-E-R-S. And from the Cleveland Clinic, who talked about post isolation, I too many SHs, post 
isolation syndrome um, and understanding the the impact of reintegration. Um, but again, Marna, I want to thank you, and Pammy, I want to thank you too. And to close us out, I'm going to give us a second incantation. Um, and then we will put us all to bed or Netflix, whatever we're going to do. And it is called Long Wisdom Speak. Is a chant for endurance. And what's really cool about this chant, not that I'm tooting my, my own horn, and I mean like goat horn, um, is that the stanzas can be rearranged and they can, some of them can be removed. Um, and I just want people to enjoy it. And yes, I'm going to publish it to the Facebook page so you all can have this in your back pocket when you're thinking about checking the mail. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right, here we go. Serpent, hair, toad, and crow, moon above, fire below, within, without, goat and hound, will and spells in dark are found. Serpent, hair, toad, and crow, moon above, fire below, ether, stars, fused and torn, love doth mend, in strife doth mourn. Serpent, hair, toad, and crow, moon above, and fire below, blind though seen, Deaf though heard, knots are tied, cauldron stirred. Serpent, hare, toad, and crow, moon above and fire below. Gather, circle, chant, and cast. Lost will perish, found will last. Serpent, hare. Toad and crow, moon above, fire below, chaos, order, braided, sown, drawn or quartered, survive to crone. Serpent, hare, toad and crow, moon above and fire below, Hecate, Hela, Caridwen. Sekhmet, Lilith, rise again. Serpent, hare, toad, and crow, moon above and fire below. I have been your encantress, Hedera Bindswood, and I'm happy to be back on Incantation Nation, and we will hear you again next Friday. Pammy, can you put us to bed? I can.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.